This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we take you high up into the world of pole vaulting with Bates men's track and field senior captain Charlie Hansen. Plus, women's lacrosse goalie Cami Lavoie was named the Division III National Player of the Week. And the rowing teams picked up some impressive early season wins. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The lacrosse teams took on Bowdoin and Hamilton last week. While both squads fell to the Polar Bears in midweek contests, the women regrouped to defeat the number 12 nationally ranked Continentals by a score of 13-12 on Saturday. Junior goalie Cammie Lavoie matched her career high with 13 saves in the victory, recording a season-best save percentage of 52%. For her efforts, Lavoie was named the Intercollegiate Women's Lacrosse Coaches Association National Defensive Player of the Week, and she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Tell me a little bit about your background growing up in New Hampshire, right? How did you first start playing women's lacrosse? Um, so it's actually kind of a sad story how I started playing lacrosse. Um, I played soccer for the vast majority of my life, and um, a few of my friends who were on the soccer team in high school were also on the lacrosse team. So my freshman year of high school, the um, starting goalie for our team tragically passed away in a car accident, and there was no backup goalie. There was no one else to really take the spot. So a few of my soccer friends kind of pushed me to, to try out and see what happened. And I tried out, and I made the team. And um, that year, we took that team all the way to the state championships. And I just fell in love with the sport and haven't looked back since. Wow, OK. So were you a goalie in soccer also? No. Or, no in goalie, okay. I, was, I was an attacker. You were an attacker? OK. Yeah, so a complete change of speeds. So what was it like becoming a goalie in lacrosse? What, what, what was the first thing you had to learn, kind of? I had to learn to be okay with getting hit a lot. Um, I definitely had to learn to accept the fact that my body's going to be covered in bruises. Um, but other than that, this, the position kind of just came naturally. It's it's one of those things where it's you you either have it or you don't. It's just reflex reflexive movements. You have to have a short memory, right? Yeah, that's the hardest part. The hardest part definitely isn't the physicality of the position. It's it's the mental aspect of it, being able to, to move on after you get scored on, which is an incredibly emotional kind of 10 seconds. Well, when you touched on the circumstances, I mean, that whole season, take us through that. I mean, you must have all been playing for, you know, the goalkeeper who had passed away, right? We were, yeah. Her name was Emma. Um, it was a, It was a really special, a really special year because – my high school team had never made it that far um, in the entire history of the program. So that year, just all of us being able to play for this set purpose, for this one thing that was so much bigger than all of us, it was just, it was a really amazing experience. And then you said, you know, it came naturally to you kind of. And so when did you start looking kind of at colleges thinking you could play, you know, um, at the next level, basically? Honestly, the thought had never occurred to me. Um, I I thought high school's it. I'm just doing this to to stay active, to have fun. Um, and then I I transferred schools my sophomore year of high school and repeated that year. And that's the year that my my new lacrosse coach sat me down and was like, "All right, let's start looking at some D1 schools." And I just, it was so off of my radar. I had no idea that that was a possibility at all. Um, and then we just kind of brainstormed what I would be looking for out of a college experience, and D1 definitely wasn't it. 
I wanted to be able to balance my academics and my um, athletics. And then it was really important to me to be able to go abroad as well, which you wouldn't be able to do at a D1 school. So then I started looking at the NESCACs. So did you go abroad this fall then? I did, yeah. I went to Copenhagen. And how was that experience? It was great. Um, It's just amazing being able to live in a completely different culture for three plus months. Uh, You really get to learn a lot more about yourself and become a lot more independent. Yeah, for sure. Of the D3 schools you're looking at, what made Bates kind of stand out? Honestly, I mean, I think this is an answer that everyone's going to say, but it's, it's always, it's the people. The culture here is just so amazing. It's just one large family. And I love the fact that you can walk across the quad and always run into at least three people that you're friends with. Um, it's just really nice to have so many friendly faces around. And then your first year here, the season gets underway. There's that game against USM and then everything just stops. Take us back. I mean, what was that like for you? Um, I mean, it was like the world was ending. I think it was like that for everyone. Um, It was tough. None of us really knew what was going on. I remember we had a spring training trip to L.A. as a team, and I remember being on the plane, like, joking about COVID, being like, oh, like, this fun little disease is, like, coming around. None of us thought much of it. And then, obviously, it completely upended all of our lives. Um, so it's it's been good to finally have a full season this year. And we have a new head coach, Renee Olson. What has she been like so far? Renee's amazing. I have nothing but good things to say about her. She, she knows how to balance the fun and the hard work so well. Um, and she's just so determined and so supportive of all of us. It must have been quite the celebration on Saturday after getting the first NESCAC win for her, right? Yeah, no, that it was it was an amazing moment. There's a video that's out there of um, her and our assistant coach Annie just embracing for like 15 straight seconds, and it's just so cute. Absolutely, and then you know we interviewed you on Instagram right after the game, but I mean that final play you mentioned the first year getting her stick on the on the shot. I mean yeah. that. What was it like from your perspective to see that happen? Emily Muller, she, yeah. she was the defender who got the stick on it. She is just such a cutie so I just watched as soon as she got her stick on it and the ball went sailing high I just saw her face just completely transform into like the biggest grin in the world which was just an amazing feeling and I'm just really happy that she got to have that um and saved my ass so I didn't have to do anything (laughs) right right well I mean you had a great game obviously you know 52 percent save percentage there um IWLCA national player of the week I mean what was working so well, in your opinion, for that in that game for you? I mean, honestly, I, I think I just got to give it up to our defense. Our defense was playing really well. We were putting a lot of pressure on the attackers and forcing them to make really bad shots. So I definitely can't take the credit on that one. And as a goalie, you know, how do you work communicating with your defense? Because that's such a huge part, right? Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, it's difficult sometimes when we start to get into some slumps to try to keep the positivity up, but. Um, I mean, I think we all, it helps that we're all such good friends off the field. We all have, we all feel very close to one another, very comfortable with one another. So it's one of those situations where, you know, something happens, someone messes up, makes a mistake. We can quickly say like, oh, do this next time, move on, and then um, just implement it in the next play. And you've had such a, I mean, it's always a difficult schedule in the NESCAC, but it's been particularly, I mean, you look every week you're playing some sort of team who's ranked, and what's what's this gauntlet been like from your perspective, sort of? I mean, it's been fun. Mm. It's been really fun to play teams that it's it's competitive. I mean, the majority of our games, we've, it's been close. Right. It's been really close. Um, So it feels really good to finally come out on top this time. 
Um, and definitely a good confidence booster moving into the, our next and last three games. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the season goes by so quickly, but I mean, it's been a full season. You touched on this earlier. What's it? I mean, your first full season, how's kind of the experience been? I mean, compared to the last two years, it must be just night and day, right? Yeah, very much so. It's it's one of those things where there's basically three grades of freshmen on the team because none of us have experienced this before, and the seniors only experienced it once. So it's it's a new experience that we're all kind of dealing with together, um, which is kind of cool. And what have you kind of been working on as a goalie throughout the season to kind of improve your game? Um, well, so we have an incredible first-year goalie who was recruited as well um, named Avery who really pushes me in practice. Mm. Um, we're pretty close, and we we always kind of comment on what we can see each other improve on and really work hard together. So I think that's been huge. She's definitely been pushing me to improve a lot. Um yeah, and just the fact that this is the first opportunity we have to really show what we've got as a team has been a, a big push. That could always be an interesting dynamic in lacrosse is the goalies. Uh, you know, the, no one's job is ever necessarily safe, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you touched on it. I mean, that relationship's pretty important because you want you want to be competitive but friendly, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've been fortunate. All of the all of the goalies that I've had on my team, I've been pretty close with. Mm. Um, I think there's a special bond there because, especially with all the field players, they kind of move around throughout the field, but the goalies are always kind of stuck in our little crease, so we spend a lot of time together. So it would be kind of terrible if we didn't get along. Right. <laughs> um, but thankfully we do. We get along really, really well. Terrific. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on the win over Hamilton or the season so far? Um, I'm just really excited. I think this is a, a really good confidence boost that we all kind of needed. Um, I'm really looking forward to our last three games. I think things are really getting put in place now. Um, it took us a little while to get there. This was definitely more of a rebuilding year and rebranding just because we've had so many changes with new head coaches, new assistant coaches, just actually have a, having a season for <laughs> <Right>. once. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm just really looking forward to the future. Um, these last couple of games in our season and definitely next year, I think we're going to be a force to contend with. Great. Cami Lavoie, the IWLCA National Defensive Player of the Week and our Female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. The rowing teams headed to the Bay State last weekend, racing on the Malden River just outside Boston on Saturday and on Lake Quinsigamond in Worcester on Sunday, with both teams impressing with some strong races. On the men's side, after fishing runner-up to Tufts on Saturday, the Bobcats swept all four of their races on Sunday. The first varsity eight provide the biggest highlight of the day, winning its race in 6 minutes, 2.2 seconds. The Bobcats defeated crews from Hamilton, WPI, Washington College, and RIT. Senior captain Steven Sparks sits in the sixth seat of the 1V, an All-American last year. Sparks joins the Bobcast, representing the first varsity eight as our male Bobcat of the week. Well, Steven, first of all, let's talk about the 1V this year. You've been in the 1V yep. since you've been a first year. You're a senior captain now, but really experienced group. What's this dynamic like? Uh, the dynamic is really uh, positive, really hardworking. Um, you know, like you said, we have a really uh, hardworking and, and experienced crew in the 1V this year. Um, we were missing a few people for this past weekend, but we really were able to, you know, tap into the depth of the program and still have an amazing result regardless of missing a few of our top guys. Take us through the races this weekend because the first day I know you were up against uh, – the, the host, if you will, there on the Malden mm-hmm. uh, River, uh, Tufts, and then a bunch of different crews. You outraced them all there on Sunday at Lake with Sigamon. So take us through both races from your perspective. Yeah, so going to Tufts, we know they were going to be a hard crew. Um, it consists of uh, two dual races, so there's two heats and then a final. 
And then we raced Wesleyan first, which was difficult, but we were able to manage. And then we raced Tufts in the final. And, you know, it didn't exactly go our way, but we performed about where we expected and wanted to be, considering we were missing a few guys. Um, and going into Sunday, we, uh, we were able to really click and, you know, you know, have a really good positive race despite still missing people. We had a few equipment malfunctions uh, throughout the day, but uh, one of our guys uh, broke his pin in half, which is never seen. That's The pin is uh, what holds the ore in place, the oh, wow. Xavier Fallone, uh, which is kind of cool to see. It makes you feel really good, really strong. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, we were able to have a really good performance. It really just shows the depth within our program that we have. Broke his pin in half when? Uh, right at the start of the race. Oh, so wow. So okay. the, in the first 100 meters of the race is what's called breakage zone. Yeah. So if you break something within that first 100 meters, you're allowed to restart the race. And luckily it was in the first 100 meters, the first two strokes actually. Um, and he snapped his pin and we were able to restart the race, thank God. Um, but it was, it was a wild thing. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it seems like there's been some equipment things going on. I mean, I know in San Diego, the 2V and 3V had some stuff going on. Yep. Now I hit the 1V, I guess. <laughs> yeah, luckily for us, though, we were just out of the – we're still in the breakage yeah. zone for the the 2V and the 3V in San Diego. They were a little too far into the race to restart, unfortunately. For you guys, um, you know, being down two of your normal rowers, I guess, what's mm-hmm. it like to welcome two new guys into the boat kind of? Because it is such an experienced group together. You know, at first, it's you always have the slight moment of panic. You know, oh no, we're missing our, two of our top guys, and it's a little concerning. But then you look down at who we're bringing up, and Xavier Fallone came up for our port side, and Sean Christensen, a first year, uh, came up on our starboard side, and you realize they have a ton of experience rowing, and they both have crazy strong fitness, and you really build that confidence right back up after you have a day or two with them on the water. Um, and it really just shows, you know, the impressive depth that the program has this year that we're able to lose one or two guys. I know the two, we also lost someone for last race as well. So we were racing in totally new lineups, totally different, never raced in those lineups before. And we were still able to be competitive with Tufts despite, you know, losing, we still be able to be competitive with them and then sweep the following day. Um, I think is really exciting from my perspective. You're in the sixth seat, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that spot particularly in the boat what makes the six seat similar different to other spots perhaps um so middle of the boat so six through four is what people typically will refer to like it's the the powerhouse i guess those typically the stronger ones not necessarily have the best form <laughs> <laughs> i'm not known necessarily for my form on the team um but they'll typically be the stronger ones on the team uh six and seven in particular will typically help fix or set the rhythm of our stroke seat so uh, stroke is Espen, yeah. and you know we follow him, and we we're the ones making the like the live adjustments to his stroke. So Sobi and Seven C and me and uh, Six, uh, we're the ones adjusting and trying to translate all his movements to the rest of the boat. And do you enjoy that role? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think Six Seat uh, holds a sense of pride mm. uh, amongst rowers because um, it's typically one of your stronger guys. However. Uh, with the experience we have on this team, we could cycle through about three or four guys in the middle four and still have really strong guys in each seat. So um, it definitely is uh, it's definitely a nice seat to have, but by, by no means uh, could anyone, anyone else could take it from me at any day. Well, I was going to say Coach Steenstra, he does switch things up sometimes, right? Like he'll mix things up in the boats. Yeah, so oftentimes we'll make seat races or comparisons um, right before our race against Tufts. 
he switched a guy from three into five C, mm. and really it didn't. It almost just better. Mm. Um, we had zero uh, practice in the lineup, and it, it turned out somehow better. Um, so we have just that experience within our crew that we can shake people around and still have a great performance. I want to ask you, speaking of a point of pride, you were named an All-American last year. Yes, uh, I was. The, the first rower in the history of the men's program to be named an All-American. They had a coxswain back in the mid-'90s. Yep. What did that honor mean to you to be to be named an All-American like that? Um, so it was the first year they were ever doing All-Americans right. uh, for IRA men. Um, and I was at first a little shocked because I didn't realize they were doing it. Um, and then a huge sense of pride. I know my coach called me and it, it, it felt, you know, personally really good. I, uh, we haven't had a ton of wins on the men's time. We've had a lot of success. Oftentimes we'll say we're, we've been getting second place a lot. Um, each, each week we race, we would race a harder and harder crew, uh, and beat the former crews we had previously lost to, but then lose to this new tougher competition. Um, and so that felt good to, it felt like a win, um, especially after a tough, uh, COVID years. Um, and then coming in this year, uh, you know, obviously I, if I can get it again, that'd be awesome. But, uh, we've got so many people that are deserving of that award and it's, it's, it's really impressive to see the guys right now, uh, you know, pushing for that kind of status that we haven't seen before. And how about in the fall, the head the Charles, really strong performance for the men. That was kind of, that's kind of a good signifier, even though these races in the spring are different than the Charles, much yep. different. That's a nice signifier for how the team's going to be, sort of, right? Yeah, exactly. So coming in the fall, we had a lot of, well, really, it goes back to the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lot of people racing over the summer, which we hadn't had before in their, in their respective clubs from their hometowns or wherever. Um, and bringing that experience into the, the fall, we knew we were going to be quick. I mean, we had all been rowing together for years now we have a lot of seniors in the boat i'm a lot of seniors on the team in general um unfortunately in the fall thomas monahan had broken his rib Mm. so he was out um which lost us some speed but we had charlie berman who's a sophomore he stepped up to fill the role and is crushing it he's still in the boat now um and really that fall really set up super nicely for um the winter and keep is still keeping us excited for the spring results to come Terrific. And t- take us through your background, kind of. Um, I know your older brother obviously rode here at Bates. Yep. Uh, he was in the 1V all four years just like you. But take us through when you were growing up. When did you start rowing? <laughs> so I started rowing my freshman year in high school. Mm-hmm. I had trained all summer uh, coming in freshman year to play soccer. Um, and then my mom says, hey, I signed you up for rowing. And then off to the boathouse I went. Um, and, you know, everyone knew who my older brother was, so I kind of – Everyone knew me, but I didn't know everyone. So, but it's it created the sense of comfort and community on the rowing team, which I had in high school and which I still have here. Um, and it was it was very exciting to to talk to my brother as I was rowing in high school and then in college through his experience and through what I was experiencing. Anytime I had any questions or troubles, he's a great person to you know talk to, ask, figure things out. Um, was really able to look up to him as a role model. And when you were a senior in high school, he was a senior in college here at Bates. Yep. And that year was a very special year for the rowing program mm-hmm. because the men qualified for IRAs, you know, D1, best yep. of the best, taking them on there in New Jersey. Were you? Did you get to go to that and watch? Um, I was racing my own. Oh, okay, um, okay. Yeah, we were doing our New Englands, I believe, at the time, hmm. uh, which nowhere near as competitive <laughs> as a D1 IRA is. Yeah. But it was important to me. Um, unfortunately, I missed it, but I was able to catch the live stream. So mm. I was still watching it. Yeah. Um, and it's really, 
even though I didn't totally understand what was going on, um, I was still able to, you know, really appreciate uh, the work they've been doing because I would go to almost every race they had. So it was it was fun to watch. And was Bates a pretty easy choice considering your brother had attended, or was there any sort of decision to make perhaps for you? Um, Bates was pretty easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My mom came here, uh-huh. my brother, he rode for here, and my other brother played soccer here. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a family legacy. Um, some might say I didn't have a choice, <laughs> but of course I, I chose it. I'm loving it here. Yeah. Um, I love being part of the team. I, I knew I found the right place right when I got on the water for the first time. And been loving it ever since. Yeah, and so I was going to say, yeah, when, when your brother was a senior, that crew made history, gained to IRAs. Yep. You had a chance to make history this year because of the Division Three race, right? I imagine yep. you're very excited for this. Uh, excited, <laughs> nervous, yeah. all the emotions in the air. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've already won in a sense. Uh, we had a great fall, and we have such a deep team that even if the results don't go our way, despite our best efforts, um, I'm still going to be proud of the team and the program in general. Um, obviously, we're going to be doing our best to get some extra training in and try and uh, get that D3 title because I think we can do it. Um, but I'm just so proud of just what this team has done already. And it's like the legacy me and my fellow seniors are going to leave here is is super exciting just to like look at and feel feel pride in. And just within the NETSCAC, I mean, there's some we saw Tufts this weekend mm-hmm. and Williams is very good as well, right? Yep. What's that like to compete against those, those schools? Yeah, so in the past few years, or past like when my brother was here and my first years at uh, at Bates, uh, NESCACs, there'd be one or two that were consistently very good, but never quite at the level that it is now. Mm. Um, D3 rowing in general has had a huge uptick in popularity in the past few years, um, especially now with uh, being able to go to IRAs as D3 uh, a rower um, and having D3 uh, nationals for the first time. Just the, the competitive scene has just increased exponentially uh teams like hobart and marist although still tough competition are honestly less frightening than some of the (laughs) nescacs that we're going to have to face Mm. um so it's it's both a blessing and a curse to see nescacs being super competitive um but uh, i think overall it's a good thing great well you have thoughts on the weekend you wanted to share we haven't got to talk about um i'm not quite sure i'm just super proud of the team for being able to you know we had Four boats all win and mm-hmm. four brand new lineups. I think that just shows so much depth and experience in our program. And, and it only has good things to come, especially once we have some returning rowers. You know, we have a lot of speed on the sidelines right now um, that hopefully will be coming back in the coming weeks. Um, so, yeah, just super excited to watch the guys and see where they go. All right, yep, a clean sweep there on Sunday for men's rowing. Steven Sparks, male Bobcat of the Week, representing the first varsity eight. Thanks so much. Thank you. On the women's side, the Bates' first varsity eight outraced top-ranked Wellesley Saturday on the Malden River. The Blue got their revenge the next day on Lake Quinsigamond as the young Bobcats continued to test themselves early on in the spring season. Junior first varsity eight stroke Casey Winter joins the Bobcats to look back on an exciting weekend of racing. Well, Casey, first of all, give us a little idea about your background. Tell us about growing up and how you started to get into rowing. Yeah, so I went to a school in high school where you had to do two sports. So I played basketball. I started in first grade playing basketball, played all through uh, junior year of high school. And then my second sport, my mom actually encouraged me to try out rowing. And she's like, I think you'd like it. We had a family friend who had rowed. I was like, I don't know, mom, you, you might, I don't know about that one. It seems a little different than basketball. And she's like, no, no, really, you should try it. And you have to do two sports. I said, okay, 
I'll try it. And of course, as always, moms are always right. And I loved it and um, have been with it ever since. And how did Bates get on your radar for college? So I actually did a summer rowing program where one of the coaches had gone to Bates. And she is now actually a coach at Wellesley, which is interesting. (laughs) She's an assistant coach there. And she told me um, she was obviously had to be on Wellesley's side, but I was asking her about Bates because I knew she was there. I loved getting to row with her for the summer, and she said there's no other way like the Division Three way of rowing, and then Bates has such a special way of doing uh, of the way the program works and the coaching staff and just the mindset here, and so there really couldn't be anything better, and she was absolutely right. Your first year here, Bates wins the Heather Charles, and then there's no spring season. Yeah. Your second year here, there's no Heather Charles. You get a spring season, and you win the national title. You're in the second varsity that year, right, as a stroke seed, and now you're in the 1V. What has your development been like as a rower, considering kind of the strange path um, everyone's had to navigate, I guess? Yeah, of course. So I think that in terms of the path, uh, the greatest thing for me has been being able to see all of those uh, who've come before me and really being able to learn from the minute I got here from the upperclassmen, from my teammates, from everybody who had uh, experience with what we're trying to do here and, and how we're trying to do it. And I think that that has been really crucial to my development. And then, of course, just getting the opportunity to, to row with a bunch of different people in, in a variety of different lineups and, and learning from each practice what I can work on, what I can improve on, especially being in stroke seat. Um, as Coach always says, it's your job to uh, take the information that the rowers behind you are giving you and then set a ratio to that, set um, kind of a purpose to that. And I think that getting to row with so many different people uh, so far has been amazing and has been super helpful in my own development and then getting to, to work together for more speed. And what about the stroke seat seems to be such a good fit for you? Um, <laughs> we might have to ask coach about uh-huh. that one. <laughs> yeah, he makes <laughs> but, a choice. I guess, right? yeah. yeah. So something I personally love about stroke is you can really, really feel every single person behind you. And then, of course, you have the coxswain sitting right in front of you and you can feel that drive the people backing you up behind you, you really know that everyone's pulling. And I think that it's so unique, that seat, because you are up there setting the tempo, setting the ratio, but you really have to listen to what the feedback the boat is giving you and and kind of the boat speed that the seven rowers behind you want to set. And then, of course, all of the calls that the coxswain is making, whether it be ratio shifts, so shifting up or down and how many strokes per minute you're taking or different moves, whether we've got to drive on it with the legs to get past somebody or, or whatever it may be. I think that it's definitely a unique position to be in and it takes a lot of responsibility and focus, but I absolutely love it. And yeah, I'm very fortunate to be there. The strokes per minute part, I feel like I'd, if I were rowing, which I do not, um, I feel like I'd have, I have a hard time with that. Like it's got to you know, really focus in your head, like your pace, right? How do you develop that? Yeah, so it definitely does take a lot of focus, but I actually was fortunate enough to stroke some in high school, and I sculled mostly, so with two, like, rowing with two oars because we were a super small high school team, (laughs) and so I did have experience doing that, and I think that um, just kind of the more time that you have to practice and the more strokes you get in as stroke seat, you really begin to develop this boat feel. And then, of course, it changes a bit based on who you're with or um, just the specific lineup that you're in and what that boat needs. But, like, really having, um, yeah, just the opportunity to learn from the rowers behind you and then come away from each practice knowing what you can do better uh, 
is helpful. And I was talking, you know, Stephen Sparks on the men's team. Their 1v, very experienced group, have been together for a while. This 1v for the women, a lot of newcomers to the 1v boat. There's a couple returnees, but what's this dynamic like with this group? I think it's it's really been fun. We're all learning together. Um, we have a really collective mindset on what we're trying to achieve this season. And I think there, um, we began to kind of address this in the fall because the fall was, of course, we have Lily Kinder returning. Um, who's absolutely amazing, but we are a, a really young team. And then we're also a fresh team for, for the 1V mindset and just the 1V experience. And I think that we collectively understand that what we're trying to do is gain as much speed as we can possible. And wherever that leads us to stacking up against other teams will be like, it will be what it will be. But for us, it's really taking on the responsibility of being leaders on the team and, um, knowing what we have to do every day from practice uh, beginning, getting out there, stretching, getting, making sure all of our equipment's ready, oars are down on the dock or by the dock, and, and making sure we're bringing that mindset and that, um, both that hunger and then that composure and responsibility every single day to whatever we're doing, whether it's sitting in commons, talking about, someone brings up a question about, oh, racing this weekend, like, here's how I'm feeling about it. Well. Well, we can give this little bit of insight and um, really take take this whole mindset that we're trying to bring as a team and implement it into to daily life. <laughs> yeah, and this weekend you had some very exciting races. Um, I saw, I think it was on Sunday, your heat against WPI. I think they were in. Mm -hmm. You you beat them, but it was like by less than a second. I mean, it was really close. Take us through that race. Yeah, so I think we beat them by like 0. 0.6 of a second, <laughs> yeah. which when you're on the water and your head's in line with the people in front of you and your coxswain's telling you where you are, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm just pulling as hard as I can. We'll, we'll see where that gets us. Um, but yeah, so that particular race, we had a bit of difficulty at the start. We ended up starting like one stroke behind everybody else because we just weren't ready to go. Mm. Our coxswain had her hand up, but the official started. So you just got to adapt to what your your situation is. So we got off the line. Um, I think we were a bit, well, so we had come off of Saturday. We had had a lot of, uh, a, good, a great race yeah. on Saturday afternoon and morning. And we were coming into it with this new mindset of fresh day, fresh legs, same game plan, but new competitors and really wanting to row our best race. And we ended up feeling a little bit um, less sharp than we wanted to on that race where we just got ahead of WPI. And we knew that in order to, so there was a bit of a tailwind. Mm. And so that was definitely, it can be a little bit more difficult to set up the boat when there's a tailwind. So something that we knew we needed to do was work on our quick catches, clean catches, and, and the technical aspects in addition to the power. And I think that uh, we were able to really um, do our race plan, which is the Chafu race plan. So we have like this calm beginning, then we're going to hold our competitors to whatever they've committed to doing for the race. And then we're going to move in into fighting and, and then unloading. And I think that we definitely implemented that strategy and um you could see on the live stream by the end we were walking through we were moving and we were able to move just past wpi but we definitely had a bunch of takeaways from that race and one of them being going into that afternoon finals uh we knew that we wanted to be more precise cleaner and just technically very very sound i remember last year when you were in the 2v your nemesis if you will was hamilton and then you got them at ncaa's 
this year, the one V, it seems like you're going toe to toe with Wellesley. I mean, you beat Wellesley Saturday. They got you on Sunday. I mean, is it good to have another school to be like, this is the team we really have to focus on sort of in terms of beating them at the end of the year, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that in general, having such uh, a fast conference this mm. year is amazing. Like it is so great to be out there so early in the season and having such close races. And in every close race, um, no matter whether you come out ahead or just behind, like there are a ton of different takeaways and a lot, a lot that you can learn from each race. And I think that it is so important and we're so lucky to be getting all of that experience now. And then just every time that we get to see uh, Wellesley, but then anybody else who will be facing up with in NERCs, NIRCs, and then hopefully uh, eventually NCAAs, each time we see a team, it's just a new it's a new day to test our speed relative to them. And I think that getting the chance to pull together everything you've been working on in practice and any changes you've made since the last time you raced or last time you saw a team and, and just seeing, okay, we've made these changes, we've worked as hard as we can, uh, let's see where we square up with them. And then going from there, you'll always know what you can what you want to work on. And there's never a race that you don't come out of where you're saying, oh, well, we could do this better or let's try this for next time. So I think it's super exciting getting to see teams multiple times and then getting to be out there with such fast crews. Beginning of the year, speaking of fast crews, San Diego trip, D1 opponents, what was that experience like for you? So that experience was just so cool for me because we're so fortunate to have been able to go out there Um and see all these West Coast teams and then see teams that we would never really get to race otherwise. And to go out with three eights was also amazing because I think that the number one thing of Bates and is so fortunate is the depth and getting so many people to go out there and have that experience of packing up and traveling and getting to watch other races, getting to be a part of really, really quick races was so it was just such a great experience and we're so lucky for it. And it, it set us up well for going into the spring season and really starting it off with some time on the water, which we don't always get. <laughs> we're fortunate this right. spring to be on the water. It's uh, nice and warm and rainy out there. Um, but yeah, being out in San Diego was was really like a once in a lifetime experience. And I'm so grateful for it. And then your next race, I don't think it's this weekend. It's a couple of weeks from now, right? You're facing the Radcliffe Lightweights. Yep. So this upcoming weekend, we will just be here training. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll practice on Saturday, which will be great. And then next weekend, we do uh, a race with the Harvard Lights, Radcliffe Lights. Yeah. And then on Saturday, we have or Sunday, we have the President's Cup That's back right. up here um, on our home turf. And we get to see Bowden and Colby, which will be really fun and i can't believe this this is going to be your first president's cup yeah you're a junior but it's gonna be your first president's cup because it's an annual event but not the last two years so uh how excited for you for that to actually have a competition on the androscoggin river i'm so excited (laughs) because each day we're out there we're practicing and uh last night actually or yesterday after practice we got to do a nice quiet sit on the dock and i think it was a very emotional experience for a lot of people and we were just taking in how lucky we are to get to row here um, on the SCOG, and then to get to be on the water right now in general is is a first kind of for Bates rowing this early. And I this whole spring is new to me, really. Right, right. <laughs> As a junior, I have first years asking me, oh, what is it like to travel um, on overnights? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm figuring out just as you are, and let's do it together. But um, yeah, with everything being so exciting and new and fresh for me, I'm I'm really just taking it all in and trying to to slow down and enjoy all of the moments. I was going to say, last spring you got a few races in, but it just probably 
not the same thing, right? I mean, what was last year like? Yeah, last spring, <laughs> it was all on the Malden River. It was Yes, that's all right. Every <laughs> single race, the same location. Yeah. <laughs> all at Tufts, which yeah. we were very fortunate they were able to host us. And yeah. it was great to be able to be out there racing. But um, this year is just such a fun experience of getting to have parents there, spectators, right? Like last spring, we're going down the river and we could hear our oars, their oars, their coxswain and our coxswain. And some of our rowers who weren't racing maybe at the time would be cheering, but other than that, it was dead silent. And just racing down the Malden River this past weekend, the number of spectators who came out from all teams was amazing. And it's just so great to have that atmosphere back of parents, friends, alums, former rowers, everybody who's coming out and it it really makes you step back and and take a second and look and see like how many just how many people are out there supporting Bates Rowing and that is really like that's a a very humbling experience I think we saw that at the Charles this year as well this past Charles where we had so many alums come out we had so many parents that come out and we're just excited to see us back racing kind of at full strength and yeah, hopefully the spring will continue with, with all, all the normal things that we get to have. All right, Casey, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. In track and field, the women and men traveled to Tufts on Saturday to compete against the Jumbos, RPI, and MIT. A pair of Bobcats moved on to top 10 all-time performance lists at Bates, with junior Liam Byrne throwing the javelin more than 180 feet and senior captain Charlie Hansen clearing the bar of the pole vault at a career high 14 feet, 7.25 inches. Hanson tells us how he got involved in the vault when he was in high school. It all started the my freshman year of high school. I was mainly a hockey player, um, and I broke my collarbone. And so that took me out of, out of hockey for a long time. And so I was talking to my dad and my sister, uh, both of whom were really good uh, athletes in their own right, both track stars, uh, as I like to call them. <laughs> and so they say, uh, Charlie, have you ever thought about pole vaulting? And I said, no, I haven't, but, you know, it looks kind of scary. Maybe I should. And they go, no, I think you're, you know, you're perfect for it. You got the right build. Uh, you're fast, at least somewhat fast. So I think you should give it a shot. Um, and so thankfully I'm from a region where there's a lot of good track and field clubs, a lot of good vault clubs. So I joined uh, this club called DC Vault with this coach, uh, Ed Luthy, who started coaching me. And I uh, just kept at it until I came to Bates, um, where Coach Fresh, obviously, started uh, coaching me, and uh, this year, Dean Dumas, who, who's picked it up. So I've, I've been very lucky to have a lot of good coaches uh, through my development at the vault. Do you remember, like, your first vault, like, in high school? Do you remember that first moment? I do. I remember yeah. uh, my conference meet. Uh, I think I only jumped about nine feet, maybe ten, um, but it was exhilarating. It was the most fun I've ever had in a sport. Um, all my teammates were there to watch, um, and so I was just instantly hooked after that. Great. And then take us through how you decided to come up from the D.C. area to uh, Bates. Yeah, so I went to summer camp uh, in Maine, and so I visited Bates on an August day, uh, which is kind of uncharacteristic for, for what Bates is like for the rest of the year. Uh, and I, I realized, I go, if it's like this you know, year-round, then I want to stay here forever. Um, obviously, that's not the case. Um, but uh, during that visit, I met uh, Coach Farashidian, um, who said, you know, we've got a great track program. Uh, we'd like you to be here. Um, and he saw a lot of potential in me, uh, and he, he told me about all the uh, vaulters that he'd coached previously. He'd taken to you know, national meets, things like that, and it just seemed like the perfect fit, uh, both academically and, and athletically. And tell, tell us about your dedicated vault coach this year, kind of the first time we've had a dedicated vault coach in Dean Dumas. Tell me about him. Yeah, Dean Dumas is a, is a really good vault coach. He, uh, he vaulted at USM. He, he coached at Amherst and at uh, Smith and at Mount Holyoke. Um, so he has a, a really good pedigree of, of 
coaching um, and athletics. Dean differs in the way that he coaches from fresh. Coach Fresh was very, you know, uh, here's what you're going to do, um, and you just followed it. Dean gives you a lot of agency um, in your choices. So uh, last weekend I, I, you know, decided to move up a pole, uh, and he didn't tell me to do that or anything. And he said, you know, that was a good choice. I'm glad you picked that for yourself. And so I think that they, they differ in their coaching styles, but they're both very, very good coaches for the vault. So for those of us who don't know anything about anything, um, moving up a pole, what does that mean? So technically, poles uh, are differentiated by their weight limit and by their length and by their uh, sort of bendiness or, or their stiffness. Mm. Um, and so basically you start off a competition with a relatively light pole, um, relatively not as stiff. Um, and then the further on in the competition you go, you tend to move up poles, which means that you go to a heavier pole or a stiffer pole, so that way you can get more pop out of it and go higher. Um, and so usually the coach's job is to tell you when to move up a pole, when to move your step, things like that. Um, and I, I, during this competition, I just decided to do it on my own for some reason, and it worked out well. And he said, well, great, it worked out. Don't do it again. Personal record, as you mentioned, um, what was it like clearing that bar there? <laughs> it felt great. It was it was a really uh, tough competition. We had a lot of uh, good rivalries between MIT, Tufts, uh, and RPI. MIT is is you know a perennial contender in in uh, Division three track and field. They've got a lot of great vaulters. So be, to be able to put on a show like that uh, in front of them and and have a really really fierce competition was fun. Uh, my family was there as well, so I, I'm glad I got to put on a show for them. And the pole vault obviously is quite a setup. You have to have you know the dedicated area to vault over. What's your typical week like practicing for the pole vault? So we have two dedicated vault practices, Tuesday and Thursday, uh, where we'll work on the mechanics and the technique of the vault with uh, Coach Dean, whether that be uh, you know doing uh, high bar work where you sort of swing up and work on your inversion techniques or uh, just being on the runway of the track working with the pole and jumping um, and things like that and there are a lot of you know specialty uh, exercises to do with the vault which are super fun and it, I, I, uh, I always say I get to do the fun events in track and field uh, the rest of the people are just running I get to you know <laughs> play around on the ropes or high bar or rings like that gotcha it's a little it's almost like some gymnastics involved. yes yes yeah. so we we have a um, a newcomer, Jack Silver, uh, who was a very good uh, gymnast in high school, and he decided to come out for the vault, and he picked it up like a natural because so much of what you do in the vault is very, you know, uh, aerial technique-wise. Uh, and so he, he is looking really good right now with only having, you know, three or four months of practice. Great. And in terms of, like, what goals have you set kind of for your senior year? Obviously, we're into outdoor season now. PR last week, obviously, is great. What, what are some stuff you have in your head? Are there certain marks you're looking for or whatnot? I think the main focus right now is to win State of Maine's help, help mm-hmm. any, any way I can, yeah. um, whether that be setting a PR or just gaining some points for the team. Uh, that's what I'm focused on. You know, the week after that is, is NESCACs. Uh, I think we have a really deep team, and if I can contribute to, to winning a NESCAC title, um, I think I'll be very content. Um, in terms of in you know PRs, uh, I'd like to go higher. Um, you know that's not always in the cards. It's uh, track and field is is kind of finicky in that way. You don't know if you're gonna uh, do better or worse every week. Uh, but if I can just continue uh, that upward progression, uh, I'll be happy. Yeah, it's not necessarily linear, right? I no. Mean, yeah. It, yeah. There's ups and downs, if you will. What's that like, kind of from your perspective? It's frustrating at times. You know, I think. In years past, when I've had a good meet, I, I usually follow it up with a terrible meet, uh, with a with a no height, as we call it, where you just don't make a single bar in a competition. Um, and so you have to really focus and, and practice your mental fortitude and your perseverance um, and make sure that one meet does not define you. Um, you know, in the same way that, uh, 
you know, a PR week can, can really lift your spirits. Uh, you got to make sure that the, the off weeks don't really take away from that. Certainly. And then um, you're one of the captains this year. What's that like being a senior captain of the Bobcats? Big, big team to be one of the leaders of, right? Quite a large team. Yeah, yeah we got about 60 guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's been really fun, really fulfilling. Uh, uh, forging new relationships with, with younger guys is something that I've always uh, had fun with and, and really enjoyed. And so to be able to do that in a more formal position, I think, has uh, really helped me develop my, my uh, character as, as, a, you know, as a leader um, and making sure that everybody's having fun. Because, uh, you know, in, in competitive sports, people tend to uh, place a lot of emphasis on, on, you know, marks and things like that. So I just try and make sure everybody is, is not focusing too hard on, uh, you know, their uh, performances, but, you know, just enjoying the sport uh, while you can, because the, the pandemic really uh, proved to us how uh, fleeting our time at Bates is and our time on, on a competitive sports team. So I just try and make sure that people remember that. Yeah, this is your first real track and field indoor and outdoor, I would say, since your first year. Yep. Yeah. S- since my freshman what, year. What's it been like, the experience? Uh, it's been great. I mean, I can't express how much I missed it uh, mm. the past couple of years. Uh it's just so fun getting out into a competition with, you know, 10, 12 teams uh, and just fighting for it. Um, really, in, really enjoying uh, a, a tough competition. It's going to be great to host the main state meet this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be the first uh, year we hosted a, a state meet. And that's a really, really fun one. It's going to be a shootout for sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think uh, if we come out with a win in, uh, in front of the home crowd, we'll, we will be very content. Well, cause I know you got the win in the indoor season. Yeah, got the win. Well, you're not on the cross country team, but the cross country team oh, got the yeah. win too. Yep. So, uh, for the clean sweeps on your mind. Yes, right? we want the triple <laughs> crown for sure. That is definitely on our minds. Excellent. Um, what are your thoughts you wanted to share on a kind of your season so far? I think we've we've just started to begin to peak, mm. um, and we're hoping to bring uh, this positive energy and this momentum into states and then NESCAC and hopefully uh division three regionals uh and we hope to send a lot of guys to nationals i know the throw squad is looking really good i know the distance team is looking really good i know our sprints are looking really fast um so we're just hoping to send a wide array of guys to nationals if we can um and at the same time have fun and make sure that the team uh atmosphere is 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 great and you know camaraderie is is maintained all right, Charlie Hanson, thanks so much for joining us the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. In other Bates Athletics news, the baseball team defeated Plymouth State 6-4 in their home opener last Tuesday and defeated Thomas College 10-9 on the road the following day. It was sweeps week thereafter as baseball dropped a Sunday doubleheader to Tufts and softball took a twin bill from Thomas on Wednesday before getting swept by Colby in a three-game series over the weekend. Sunday's series finale was a wild one with Bates falling 16-13 to the Mules after trailing 8-0 early in the contest. Keep your eyes on GoBatesBobcats.com and the Bates Bobcats mobile app for all the latest Bates Athletics news. And we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast.